Would you open your Bibles to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12? We've been learning about get ready to run. Everybody say, get ready to run. So from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we began to recognize that we are in this great arena of life, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. All of heaven is watching what we're doing and talking about what we're doing. We then went on from there to understand the preparation to run. We said that God has set the course before us and made his will very, very clear to us so that we know where to go. And that the responsibility of knowing that will is that we get ready and that we run. We learn that there are decisions that we make regarding this race. We don't run from our responsibilities. We don't run to evil. We don't run to alcohol. We don't run to gifts and bribes. We instead lay aside every weight. <laughs> and we saw that the Greek word there means in Alabama English, superfluous. And that really is how it's pronounced in Alabama. But Sister Bev said, sweetheart, in Canadian English, it's superfluous. All right, so everybody say superfluous, superfluous. That's kind of like Tagalog English, hippopotamus. You didn't get my joke? Oh, I, I just give up and try. We lay aside every weight. These are the useless, needless things in our lives. They're not sinful. But they're probably, we saw from the Greek, because of pride. And we lay aside every sin that clings to us. We recognize that there are these, these little sins. And, and they, they don't block our path, but they trip up our feet. So that every time we start moving toward our goals, those, those little sins are the ones that always bring us down. Now I want to pick up from there and begin. It's going to take me two weeks to get through this. Begin to talk to you about how to run the race. Hebrews 12, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when you are reproved by him. So how do we run the race? The first thing we've already talked about. Everybody say, you need to run. Say it again. It does not say walk. It does not say crawl. It does not say take a vacation, it says run. And the Greek word there we talked about, treko, means to move rapidly forward, to strive, to put out all of your efforts in. Now you're, you're not going to be able to, to run the race. You're not going to be able to, to move toward the will of God in your life with a spirit of laziness, with a spirit of lethargy, with a spirit of entitlement. You're going to have to learn You've got to run. Everybody say, put out my best effort. Say it again. But we don't put out all of this energy, and we don't put out all of this effort in an unfocused way. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26. So I do not run aimlessly. He said, verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? 
so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable belief, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. Now notice what Paul says there. He said, every runner runs to win. Nobody enters a race planning to lose. When you get into a race, when you're, you're out there in that 100-meter dash, when you're out there in that marathon, you don't join that race planning to lose. You join that race wanting to win. And everybody said? So Paul uses this sporting illustration and said, now listen, folks, it's not about planning to lose. God did not say, oh, beloved, I have a plan for you, a plan to make you a loser and defeated. God said, no, I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper you. A plan to what? A plan to give you hope. He said, listen, when you, when you move into this plan that God has for you, he said, you have to understand, there needs to be a desire to accomplish the goal. Everybody say, everybody say, accomplish the goal. You want to win the, win the race. You want to accomplish the goal. So Paul said, how do we do that? He said, I don't run aimlessly. We don't run around like a chicken with their head cut off. Have ever, any of you ever cut the head off a chicken? Just me? I'm the only boy who grew up in the barrio? How many people have ever cut the head off a chicken? You know, know how it likes to run around a little bit first, but it doesn't know where it's going? That's like many Christians. They run around like a chicken with their head cut off. They put out a lot of energy. They put out a lot of effort, but there's no direction. There's no what? Have you ever watched these Japanese drifters on TV? I mean, please forgive me. I like cars. These guys, they get in these little high-performance sports cars, and they just spin round and round, and they go drifting. They do what? And they, they what we used to just call it, spinning wheels, but the, these guys, they get in there and they just go round and round and round and round, and just the front of the car kind of stays in the center, and they just go in big circles, leaving lots of rubber and costing a lot of money on the, on the pavement, but they go really, really fast, and they go nowhere. God doesn't want us to live a life of drifting. God wants us to have an aim in our life. Everybody say, have an aim. He said, I don't run aimlessly. Now, the Greek word there means without purpose, unintentional, without a goal in mind. Now, beloved, straight talk. God and Satan have very, very different attitudes about reaching goals and about bearing fruit. Straight up talk. I don't think Satan cares a whole lot about you getting saved. He was sorry to lose you. But what he doesn't want you to do is go bear fruit. Satan doesn't care that you come to church and worship Jesus much. But he doesn't want you out there being like an Apostle Paul, changing the world in Jesus' name. And there are so many Christians today that do not understand that Satan would love us to be a bunch of sleepy Christians who, who just accomplish nothing who want to have our best life and who want to live a good life and who want to have fun and enjoy life and bear no fruit. Now, brothers and sisters, please forgive me. 
We are not born again and left here on this earth to just enjoy life until we die and go to heaven. That is not the purpose of life. There is a race to run. We are to be a people that bear fruit. We are to be a people that what? It is God who insists that we live a life with purpose, that we live a life that is intentional, that we live a life with goals in mind. At some point, you and I must recognize that we need to break out of a generation of some Christians today that look upon having goals and having purposes is pressure, is what? That if, if they're going to, to, to do something, you know, well, if I want to do something, okay, but don't give me a goal because that makes me feel pressured. You poor little baby. Let me put you back in the crib and give the bottle in your mouth. At some point, beloved, if you're going to aim your life, there's going to be some pressure. It's called goals. It's called living on purpose. It's called fulfilling the will of God for your life. And it should not be something that torments us. It should be a joy to do God's will. I didn't hear you. We're commanded to live a life that is goal-oriented and fruit-bearing. John chapter 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. How much fruit? How much fruit? Get one person saved in your whole life. Bear how much fruit? Much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Colossians 1.10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. John 15.16. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Did you hear that? Many Christians today wonder, why don't my prayers get answered? Excuse me, are you bearing fruit? I had a pastor friend call me and we've been close for many, many years. And his church has really suffered during COVID and we were praying together about that. And he said, David, I don't understand. He said, I watched your service online, and he said, your people are testifying about new cars and motorcycles and new homes and new businesses and new careers. And he said, and the way you describe it, the lockdown in the Philippines is much worse than the lockdown that I live with. I said, it is. He said, how are your people seeing all of these miracles? I said, because in the middle of it, they decided the Great Commission is still real. Over 40,000 people born again in 2020. Over 40,000 again born in 2021. Our people get online. We've opened churches online. We've gotten people saved online. We do, we do Zoom crusades online. We just found a new way to do it, but we're still going to bear fruit. And notice why God answers prayer. So that, bear fruit and fruit remains, so that, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Beloved, if you will be busy following the will of God for your life, if you will be busy with the Great Commission, God will answer your prayers. Oh, Pastor Samuel, God answers our prayers by grace, not by works. There are people that can find an excuse about anything. Straight up talk. 
He says, it's the Father's will that you bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain. So that. Every time you see so that, that's a purpose. He said, there's a purpose for you bearing fruit. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, take it a step farther. Bearing fruit shows that we have a thriving relationship with Jesus. John 15, verses 2 to 5. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears good fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Beloved, the fruit that is born out of our lives, the souls that are saved, that is what reveals that we have an intimate walk with Jesus, that he is the vine and we are the branches, and we are connected, and there is a flow of life coming from Jesus into our lives. Everybody say a flow of life. Now, when you look around and you don't see that flow of life, you need to recognize somebody may talk the talk, but they don't live the life, and there's no connection. When you are walking with Jesus, when you have a prayer life, when you are in the Word every day, when you are living a, a, a relationship with Jesus, you bear fruit. It's just normal. It's just what? You don't have to force a mango tree to, to give mangoes. If there's water in the ground, if it's good soil, a mango tree draws it in, the mango's in the soil. But now you take that mango tree out of the soil. You tuck that branch off of a mango tree and just, okay, you're going to be separate from the tree now. I'm going to stick you over here. You and I both know there's not going to be any mangoes on that branch. There has to come a point in our life where we look at the Scriptures and we realize we bear fruit because of a flow of life in a relationship. I can't hear you. It's not by the works of man. It's by a flow of life. Everybody say, a flow of life. John 15, verse 8, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. He said, you want to know how to show that you're really a disciple? You're bearing fruit. You're doing what? You're doing what? And that fruit that you're bearing, those souls that you have led to Jesus, those new churches that some of you have opened around the world, all of that is bringing glory to God in the middle of a pandemic. All of that is proving that you are his disciples. John 15, 16. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now notice, the calling and appointment. Everybody say, calling. Everybody say, chosen and appointment. That comes... That, that is revealed by the bearing of fruit. There's many people that run around this world today calling themselves apostles, but they are not. There's many that run around the world this, today calling themselves prophets, but they are not. There's many that run around the world calling themselves pastors and evangelists and teachers, but they are not. They're like in the book of Revelation. They are self-called. They are what? And you can see that they're self-called by the fact that there is no fruit. There is no what? 
They can only take from other churches. They can't go out and get people saved themselves. Now, beloved, please, if we are going to run the race, if we are going to have a life aimed, the greatest aim of every Christian's life is the Great Commission. I can't hear you. The greatest aim of our life is not wealth and riches. Please, when we get to heaven, all of that will be there. And it's going to be for eternity. But the greatest aim of our life right now, what I believe is the reason we are left here. If we didn't have to do the Great Commission, as soon as we got born again, we could go to heaven. But he leaves us here as a witness. Just like the guy who had the demons cast out of him, the legion. He left him there in the region of the Galilee, the region of the ten cities, the Decapolis. He left him there as a witness. We have been left here as a witness, and we have been given the Great Commission. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, as Paul would say. That should be the greatest aim of our life. Every Uber we get in, we talk about Jesus. I didn't hear you. We don't talk about Avida. We don't talk about AXA insurance. We open our mouth and Jesus comes out. This is the greatest aim of our life, to bring people to Jesus. But now take it a step farther. We want run with a life that is aimed. Secondly, we run with endurance. We run with what? Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, you know the word well. In fact, we've even got a group of ushers named it, hupomone. It literally means endurance, active persistence, steadfastness, constant expectation. I've always illustrated it to you by a woman giving birth. Last week, I got a call from Pastor Jamie in the middle of the night. Christina was giving birth to number seven. Grave delega. And they want more. And she comes out of the house. He's sitting out on the front porch of his house talking. Very southern home in Louisiana. Sits out on the front porch in her chair. And she comes by and her tummy is sticking out like this far. I said, when is that baby due? He said, today. He said, she's already dilated. I said, well, where's she going? To the hospital? He said, no, no, she's going to go for a two-kilometer walk. I said, excuse me, shouldn't you be with her? No, she'll be fine. I, he said, she wants it to open up. She wants to dilate more so that the baby will come. So she's going to go for a two-kilometer walk. I thought, about like a horse. Just, just boom, here comes another one. Sure enough, a few hours later, here it comes. But even as easy as she gives birth, when that midwife would be there, I promise you. In fact, he called me back and he said, would you like to video and watch? No. I promise you the midwife said, push. You don't just lay down and the baby just pops out. A baby's not a pimple that just pops on its own. If a woman's going to have a baby, she has to. That's exactly what hupomone means. 
It's very active. It is not passive. It is, it is active. Everybody say, it's active. Now, you have to understand that as we run toward the goals, and especially the great commission that God has laid out before us, there are times that we face difficult circumstances. We face difficult problems that, I'm sorry, forgive me, cannot be changed. But we do not give up. We push in Jesus' name. I didn't hear you. Many of you, in the middle of this COVID thing, God has put a goal, something he wanted you to accomplish. And you know what? It's been really, really hard. But at some point, you're going to have to do one more push in Jesus' name. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's been difficult. But we are not quitters. We run the race with endurance. And everybody said? Now, very quickly, let me walk you through how this Greek word is used, hupomone. Hupomone or endurance is necessary to bear the fruit of salvation, Luke 8, verse 15. Jesus said, and for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with hupomone. They bear fruit with endurance. Even every basic fruit of salvation has to be born with endurance. Endurance is what brings spiritual growth and develops character in our lives. Romans chapter 5, verse 4. Paul said, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You want to know what develops character, integrity, honesty, kindness, patience? You want to know what develops all the character traits of our life? It doesn't happen in the good times. It happens in the hard times through endurance. Now, now, please, I don't say this in any way critically. Well, let me give you one more verse. Let me talk about it then. James 1, beginning with verse 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ of the 12 tribes and the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces hupomone, produces endurance. And let hupomone or endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Back in the 80s, we went through hard times. Character was produced. Spiritual maturity was produced. You sit in a building that was built by endurance. You look at our families and they built businesses and they built homes. Those were built by endurance in those days. Those goals were reached by endurance. So character and spiritual growth was developed in us. But then came all those great years. And two years ago in the month of January, I was talking to young people about, I pray that you would never go through hard times. And then a month later, here comes COVID-19. But young people, these hard times have built something in you. These hard times have built your character. These hard times have built spiritual maturity in you. Before the hard times, your greatest challenge was, let's see, do I want to have Tim Hortons, or do I want to have Starbucks, or do I want to have milk tea? That was the biggest challenge. Now you've learned. Spiritual maturity has come within you. Endurance. Everybody say endurance. 
Endurance is needed to face the times that we have to suffer for the gospel. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 6, Paul said, if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings we suffer. Paul said, hey, church in Corinth, you're going to have to go through some of the same sufferings I've gone through. Revelation 1 verse 9, I, John, your brother, and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Now, we live, we live the most blessed lives in the Philippines. I, I get tired of people criticizing our country. I don't know another nation in the world that has the spiritual freedom we have. And everybody shouted? I mean, show me any other nation where we are as free. And even during the middle of COVID-19, the government did everything they could do to help us keep the churches open. Other than even Canada has been putting preachers and church members in jail for having outdoor drive-in services like we have. I mean, I, I look at some of the stuff in the world, and you want to get down on the ground and kiss the land and say, thank God we live in the Philippines. But there are other nations that are not so blessed. You hear of the churches that are blown up with dynamite in China, pastors put in jail. You look at Nigeria and you see the churches burned to the ground with the people, the church members still inside of them. You go to Indonesia. I mean, please, I can take you around the world and, and, and the, the persecution. It, it seems like any religion or any lifestyle in the world is protected except Christianity. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are dying for their faith all over the world right now tonight. Afghanistan, during the last 20 years, people have gone over and missionaries have gone over and they've built churches and they've built Bible schools and they've trained pastors and they've gotten people born again. And now, the last report I read from an old friend, churches are destroyed, pastors are killed, their heads cut off, church members are in hiding. And we, if somebody teases us on an elevator, oh, you're a Christian, we get all embarrassed because we were just teased. Brothers and sisters, may it never happen. May it never happen in our beloved nation. But endurance is necessary to face persecution. Endurance is how leaders commend themselves as being true leaders. 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 6, verses 4 and 5. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And then he begins to list some of the ways. By great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, hard work, arriba Paul said, as a pastor, we commend ourselves to the people. Not by our being the coolest person on the platform. We commend ourselves to the people not with our articulate speech. We commend ourselves to the people by the fact that we don't quit. We have endurance. We have what? We have what? You know, sometimes I, I sit down with the young, young pastors and pastoras and I say, you know what? You're going to have to get stronger. Because if you quit now with just a little bit of pressure on your life, what are you going to do? When you're out there pastoring a church and three, four, five hundred people are looking to you for leadership. 
and somebody criticizes you, you run away like a little puppy dog with your tail between its legs. There has to get endurance in our insides in Jesus' name. Endurance is how all the work of the ministry is done. Paul said, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost hupomone, with utmost endurance. He said, you know what, all the miracles. He said, I, I didn't do those miracles just easily. He said, yes, God did the miracles, but it took me enduring. I had to stay there and wait on God. I had to go through the fasting and prayer. I had to walk with God. I had to hear the voice of God. And he said, you know, even in the services, the persecution that would follow because of a miracle. He said, miracles were done by endurance. The last one, and then we'll move on. 2 Timothy 3.10. He said, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life. I, I might preach a whole sermon on that. Paul said, I've lived a life that you could follow my aim of life. You, you can, Paul said, you can see where my life was aimed. My faith, my patience, my love, my hupomone. Older men, Titus 2 verse 2 are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in hupomone, in endurance. The new generation that's rising up needs examples to follow. They cannot follow examples of people that quit and run. They can only follow the examples of those who have endurance. Who have what? Now, some of our seniors, please forgive me. We may not be able to be as strong as, as a 25-year-old. But we have endurance. Last week I gave you an illustration. I was kind of laughing when I was saying it because I had a young man up here. And I said, if, if we both run a, a marathon, I have all my superfluous, my superfluous fat. And he's all skinny and in shape. Who's going to win the marathon? Of course him. But you know what? I would finish. If I had to crawl across the line on my hands and knees, if I had to pull myself with my fingers, I'd finish. See, as an older person, endurance has been developed within us. We're just not quitters. We're just not what? And see, that's one of the big things the new generation has to see. They have to not just see the aim of our life. They have to see that we never quit, that we never ran, we never bent, we never broke, and we didn't run away. Endurance. That's what the next generation needs to see. You say, all right, pastor, I get it. We need to run with hupomone. And I see why hupomone is so important. But how in the world in the middle of hard times, do I run with endurance? Well, beloved, it's not difficult. Look back at verse 2. Looking to Jesus. What, what did I just say? Now, this is how you do it. It's not strength of willpower. Beloved, if you do something in the strength of your willpower, you will always fail because at some point, we just run out of willpower. Endurance doesn't flow from the strength of our will. Endurance flows 
looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Two principles here. It's not my willpower. The first principle, you focus on Jesus. Everybody say, focus on Jesus. Well, pastor, I'm just so discouraged. Oh, pastor, I'm so depressed. Please get your eyes off of your problems. Get your ears off of the ugly things people are saying about you. And get focused on Jesus. Everybody say, fix my eyes on Jesus. Back in the 90s in the revival, we sang a song, my eyes are full of Jesus. And that's literally what we have to do. We don't focus our attention on our problems. We don't focus our attention on our hardships. We don't focus our attention on our persecution. We focus our attention on Jesus. This is how you run with endurance. You fix your eyes on Jesus. You do what? Oh, you need to get in touch with your feelings. No, you don't. You need to get your eyes on Jesus. Oh, you need to understand your feelings. You're just discouraged right now. Let's take a nap and go to sleep. Yeah, that's what the devil would say to you. What God would say to you is, I know it's hard right now. I know it's difficult right now. But get your eyes on Jesus. Stop looking at your problem. Stop focusing on how hard it is. Stop focusing on how tired you are. Stop focusing on you wish you could just quit. And get, fix your eyes on Jesus. Everybody say, fix my eyes on Jesus. Say it again. That's our focus. Now our motivation is almost just like it. He said, consider him. Think about him. I like Philip's translation. Think constantly of him. Enduring all that sinful man could say against him. Philip's translation. And you will not lose your purpose and your courage. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Think constantly of him. That's where your motivation comes from. You will not lose your purpose. You will not lose your courage if you keep your mind thinking about what did Jesus do? Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, thinking about who Jesus is. He says in verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder or author and perfecter of your faith. The word there for author or founder literally means the path maker. Everybody say, one who goes first. I was talking with one of our members not too long ago who was into bicycling. And he was telling me that if you want to win the race, you want to stay with the group. The, I think he called it Pelotan. You want to stay with the Pelotan. Stay in the group. I said, no, I don't want to, wouldn't want to stay in the group. That doesn't seem logical. You should get out in front of them as far as you can. He said, no, no, no. He said, the way you win a race is you stay in the group. And somebody else is taking all the wind pressure. 
and the dry, and you 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 dry, you come in behind them and you drift behind them, and you, they they cut the wind drag on you, and it takes thirty percent less energy. He said, you stay there until right near the end, then you pull out and run. Well, I don't ever want to pull out and run around Jesus, but I like it when Jesus goes before me. Let me illustrate it to you this way. Have you ever seen in a movie where a guy has a bolo and he's cutting his way through all of the undergrowth of a jungle trying to make a path? He's called the pathfinder. That's exactly what Jesus is. That's exactly what this Greek word means, the pathfinder. Jesus is the one who's doing all the work ahead of you. He's the one moving the obstacles. He's the one doing all the heavy lifting. But you just have to stay right close behind him. Now you just need to think about that. Jesus is my pathfinder. Jesus is the one. Look at all that he has endured. You know the ugly things people have said about you as you, as you move toward the goal? Well, remember Philip's translation. Enduring all that sinful man could say against him. He said, if you'll just think about Jesus and what he went through. He said, you will not lose your purpose and you will not lose your courage. Everybody say, endurance. Now, beloved, I taught you everything today to just bring you to this simple thought. All of the goals that God has laid out before you, they're still there in Jesus' name. I, I didn't hear you. We've got church members today lining up early in the morning, taking their board exams. They've been waiting to do their board exams. They're taking their board exams today. Some of them have waited for two years to take those board exams. They're taking those board exams today. I don't know the goals that God has put out in front of your life. I know the Great Commission is there. I know the Ministry of Reconciliation is there. But I don't know the individual goals God has for your life. But you need to get your life aimed at them. Everybody say, aimed at them. If you don't aim at something, you won't hit anything. Get your life aimed at the goals that God has for you. And then settle in and endure. Everybody say, settle in and endure. Keep pushing forward. Say, well, pastor, where do I get the strength for that? You fix your eyes on Jesus. And you keep thinking about what Jesus has done for you. Would you stand with me, please? It's not hard to walk in endurance. You just need to keep a face full of Jesus. Everybody say, keep a face full of Jesus. Would you take your communion emblems, please? I still have one, two, three. I still have seven more points. <laughs> that will be in a couple of weeks. Now, beloved, if you try to endure by your own willpower, you will fail. How do you know, Pastor? Been there and done that. You don't endure by your own strength. You endure keeping your eyes on Jesus, keeping your thoughts on Jesus. Amen. Everybody say, eyes, eyes. and thoughts, thoughts. On, Jesus. on Jesus. This bread, this bread represents, his body. represents his body 
hung on a cross for me. I remember all he endured. The flesh ripped off his back. The crown of thorns. The nails in his hands and feet. The pain he went through. Until finally on the cross, he said, it is finished. He knew the goal for his life was to be the sacrificial lamb. I remember all that he went through for me and my eyes and my thoughts will ever be on him in Jesus' name. Let us partake of the bread together. Ulitanat in this cup represents his blood that washed away all my sins, that can cleanse a life no matter how filthy as I look upon this world as I look upon my nation, as I look upon my city, as I look upon my barangay, as I look upon my street, I remember that the blood of Jesus can wash every soul white as snow. I remember what Jesus did for me and for the whole world. In Jesus, name. In Jesus' name, let us partake of the cup together. have your life aimed at a goal. Would you raise your hand up high? Can you walk now in endurance? What are the two things you need to do to endure? Eyes on Jesus, thoughts on Jesus. Everybody say eyes on Jesus, thoughts on Jesus. He's the pathfinder. Not those people causing you trouble. He's the pathfinder. Amen. And I got news for you. There's no devil, there's no demon in hell that can stand before Jesus as he leads you toward the goal. He is the pathfinder. 
Eyes on Jesus. Thoughts on Jesus.